guys, how are you doing? I hope you're having a good week so far. Welcome to my podcast, Surrender and Manifest. I'm Dr. Sammy. I'm a medical doctor. Several years ago, I became obsessed with inner work, understanding how the mind works and why is it that we often feel held back by habits or patterns of thinking that we feel powerless to break. And through this exploration, I have created this podcast. Each week, I bring to you an inspiring personal message and I will share with you actionable steps that you can take to help unlock your inner potential and bring about success in your life and really enjoy the process as well, because I think sometimes we tend to forget that. Welcome to the Surrender and Manifest podcast. So excited to dive in with you. I'm super excited about today's episode and I want to share an amazing conversation that I've had with the brilliant R.C. Blakes. R.C. Blakes is a pastor, an author, an empowerment speaker and a teacher. He's so kind and so, so, so insightful. He radiates a sense of peace and wisdom. You're going to adore him. So without further ado, please welcome the remarkable R.C. Blakes. I'm blessed to be accompanied by Bishop R.C. Blakes today. Welcome. I am so excited to uh, be with you today. It's it's a joy to embrace your platform. I love your your mission and your vision, and I just love everything that you're doing. Thank you Keep so up the great much. Work. Keep up the great work. Thank you. I have to say that this is a very exciting moment for me. I have been a long time fan of the work that you do. So I'm really, really excited to have you on here today. Yeah, not as excited as I am to be here, though. <laughs> That's so kind of you. Um, so it was just today that I was seeing that video that you just posted last night that eight ways mama might have messed you up a bit. And um, there was something which when I was seeing that video is coming up in my mind, you know, in, in sometimes you give that funny expression or you just say that funny <laughs> thing that, oh, I'm going to get into trouble for this. And I was thinking that the title might actually get you in trouble. So what has the reaction been like of people to that video? Well, I have to admit, um, on you know, in real time, the, the responses were all great. Yeah. I have I have shied away from going and looking at the comments because I'm certain <laughs> that I was actually I was actually a little bit I had a little bit of trepidation about putting that video up because of the title. I had never dealt with anything like that. Yeah. But it's a very real issue between mothers and daughters. Yeah. A lot of times the the relational rhythm of of women, their concepts of love these things are inherited from either direct conversations or indoctrinations from mothers yeah. or just observations. Yeah. And so a lot of times mom meant well, but she kind of misguided you maybe by mistake. And uh, so I, that's why I did it. Yeah, it was re- it was really good one. I actually uh, found it quite beneficial and learned quite a lot of things, uh, which I think the audience would have as well. Um, for So for those of our audience who are new to your work, just tell us a little bit about yourself. What is it that you do? What are you known for? Please. 
Well, I am R.C. Blakes. I am from the United States of America. I, I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. I live between New Orleans, Louisiana and Houston, Texas. I'm a pastor of an amazing church called New Home Ministries that spreads out between Texas and Louisiana, multiple congregations. Uh, I'm an author. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. Uh, I'm an empowerment speaker. I'm the leader of a Christian organization of, of pastoral leaders from different parts of the United States and some other parts of the world. Um, but mostly I'm a student of life. And as I learn, I teach and yeah. I really don't have any expertise other than, you know, theology. I studied the Bible and I wouldn't even consider myself a theologian. I'm a student of it, but I'm basically a student of life. And as I learn, I teach and I try to teach honestly and, um, you know, transparently. I love, I love how you wrote it that. I love that. And you're so humble as well. So it's so nice to actually meet up with you. Um, you know, you really empower women through your content. And I can say for sure, because I remember a lot of your live sessions, a lot of your videos, I've seen them so many times by heart. And um, they helped me quite a lot as they might have helped a lot of other women or men as well around the globe. And um, I'm curious to know what led you to the whole empowerment and teaching side of things. Well, I'm, I'm a teacher by nature, even in terms of ministry. You know, yeah. when one thinks of um, a black Baptist minister in the south of the United States of America, one thinks of the fire and brimstone, the, the, the screamer, the runner, the jumper, the dancer. Well, that's never been me. I've always been a guy that approached even ministry from a communication. I view it as a conversation rather than me preaching at you. Yeah. And, and so I'm a teacher by nature. But one year, many years ago, I, I, I was just kind of new to social media. Yeah. And I was scrolling through Facebook, it was. Yeah. And there's this beautiful young lady, um, visibly beautiful. You could tell she was, she had to be somewhat educated because of the language, the the punctuation, the words. Yeah. And she seemed to be encouraging uh, a generation of women to to be empowered, you know, to use your brains, use your connections. And, and it was just a great message. But the way it ended, changed my life. Oh. She, she ended this message, this, this Facebook posting to women with all of these positive things. And she ends it with, if, if everything else fails, fall back on your sexuality is basically what she said. Oh. In other words, use your feminine sexuality as a success strategy if everything fails. And so as a father, uh, an, uh, a biological father, a spiritual father, yeah. An uncle to young women, um, I was kind of, the breath was knocked out of me. Yeah. And I asked the Holy Spirit, now, what is this about? Where is this coming from? And the yeah. Holy Spirit said to me, she's not had the father-daughter talk, yeah. which is the title of my first book, book written yeah. to women. She's not had the father-daughter talk. So from there, um, I was led to develop this month-long series of teachings that I would do in the church. Yeah. Whereas a pastor, I would teach women everything your father should have taught you. And from there, the, the hunger for it was so great that it turned into conferences. 
It turned into a book. It would not release me. It turned into a movement. And so still here today, it's turned into Queenology. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's probably what my message to women is probably what occupies 60% of my energies yeah. all around the globe. And it was kind of like it discovered me. Yeah. Because it comes so naturally for me because I am very paternal in my nature. I'm very protective yeah. of womanhood. Uh, women are very comfortable with Lisa and I. I keep Lisa involved in the whole process. My wife, yeah. uh, for obvious reasons. There's so many predators out here. Yeah. And I wanted to make certain that we maintain the purity of it. And so it comes so naturally to me. It's like yeah. my my destiny discovered me rather than me discovering my wow. destiny. And, and so it's what I do every day. And yeah. it's it's the thing that the world calls upon me for more so than anything else. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you mentioned um, Queenology and the father-daughter talk. And I know that your book, Me, My, Mine, has come out recently as well. Um, I'm curious to know what led to writing that book and what was the journey like? Because I think it's about narcissism, isn't it? Absolutely. It is a, a biblical perspective on narcissism. And yeah. I admit in the book, as I quite frequently do, I'm no mental health professional. I have no training in mental health whatsoever. But as I, as I, you know, began this journey of empowering women, I was getting these, these emails and these messages constantly Hmm. uh, that the things I I was describing, uh, that those things were um, congruent with what many women were saying to me is narcissism. And so I'm like, okay, well, let me dig a little deeper in this narcissism thing. Because my idea of narcissism was that it's just a person with an overactive ego. And I never realized that it goes much, 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 much deeper than that. And so I started studying. And uh, as I studied, I began to see that the Bible is filled with narcissists from one end of the spectrum to the other. And so I thought it would be great to create a document that shows how this um, psychological phenomenon, uh, this scientific phenomenon is a biblical reality. And so that's what me, my mind is about. It's a biblical view of narcissism. And I try my best throughout the the document to show uh, the reader uh, how this showed up in various biblical characters. So having a a deeper perspective on some of our biblical heroes, they were human. They were not perfect. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, sounds um, very interesting. And um, because we we do talk about it in medicine quite a lot uh, as well, because, you know, narcissistic personality disorder and PD. So we, um, it's, it's a word which is thrown quite a lot actually out at the moment as well. But um, it's nice to have like a, the, a perspective from the Bible as well. And uh, I can see that you're quite passionate about, obviously, uh, you know, with the, with the books that you've written and with the content you've, you've created as well about um, empowering and teaching and along with ministry as well. Uh, is there anything which you, which is like a passion project at the moment, apart from all that? Uh Yes. And, and and it it is not only a passion project. Yeah. 
it is a challenging project because oh, okay. it is it is really pulling upon me to grow and to overcome some of my own personal um, insecurities. Oh, I love and, that. And yeah, I do too. You love it and you hate it at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it's the Mordecai mission, and okay. and this is a um, this is something I do once a year. It, yeah. it goes on for three months. Yeah. And once a week, Lisa and I deal with this particular group of women. Yeah. Helping them to overcome many of the traumas that um, they've experienced in life. The group is is usually um, 85% middle-aged women. Okay. We've had we've had one lady as old as 80. Uh, some are in their 20s. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 where I really avail myself, you know, in a real personal way. These these weekly Zoom calls yeah. uh, sometimes go for three hours. And oh. and this happens for three months. So yeah. it's really pulling upon me because I am by nature uh, an introvert. I would yeah. love to just crawl into the corner of my room yeah. with a book and just leave me there. Yeah. And so all of these things that I do. Um, really pull me out of my um, my my comfort zone. Yeah, but that is that is the thing that I'm I'm most excited about right now. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think I love the fact of it as well that it is challenging you. Uh, but like you said, whenever you need to elevate, you must educate. So You have to. <laughs> and um, like I said, I remember most of the things like, you know, um, uh, from my memory. And yeah, it's I think you every level that we want to go to at the next level, we will be faced with new challenges and then we have Correct. to outgrow them. And then, Correct. but what is the point of living a life where we don't have challenges, where we're not stepping out of a comfort zone? So thank you so much for that vulnerable share. I, like, I mean, somebody like who's in a position like you can, can have those insecurities as well, um, you know, about a program. So we all I like do. that. We all do. Um, it was quite difficult for me to choose a topic for today because you've, uh, you know, you've, you've got hundreds and hundreds of videos and then your books. And But I do want to talk to my audience a little bit about this particular video that I have seen, which was eight after effects of a woman chasing a man. And I think that has, if we see that video that has got the key mindset or key self-development, self-love changes that a woman needs to do to promote expansion. So I'll be asking some questions regarding it, uh, if you like. And so um, to, to just help kind of people learn learn from that. There was uh, one thing that you mentioned in the video, which was that chasing is addictive. And once a woman starts chasing, it is very difficult to wean her off. So can you just expand on that a little bit for us, please? Well, uh, when a woman begins to chase, whenever a woman gets to a point in her uh, relational life with men that she feels she needs to chase, it means that she's gotten to a point where she feels desperate. Yeah. She's gotten to a point where her self-esteem bank is depleted. Yeah. And the reason it becomes so addictive is that once a woman starts chasing and she does not get 99.9% .9 of the time, she does not get a favorable response from 
a man that she chases because the only man, only men that would allow a woman to chase are feminine men. Yeah. And these are men that do not have um, a a masculine um, concept that would make them husband material. These these guys are the ones that are we consider players, uh, users. That's the only kind of guy that would tolerate a woman chasing. So when a woman is chasing, uh, she's like the dog chasing its tail. She's chasing something she'll never catch. Now, because she doesn't catch it, yeah, you know, it being the the particular guy she's chasing, now she she's left to deal with the perceptions of rejection. Yeah, and what rejection does to the heart of a woman is it puts her in a place where her self esteem bank the levels down. drop lower and lower and lower, and the lower her self esteem, the more desperate she becomes. Yeah. The more desperate she becomes, she intensifies the chase. Yeah. Until later in life, she wakes up as an older woman and she yeah. realizes that she wasted her whole life on chasing something that was always a mirage. Yeah. And so that's why that's why I say it's it's addictive because I've seen women from their twenties to their fifties repeat the same cycles and always come up with outcomes that dishonored them. Yeah, well, I've seen women later in life as well, let's say elderly women as well who are doing that and, you know, women in their 60s as well. It gives me chills every single time you talk about this. We can't really kind of accept uh, the whole chasing phenomenon, but this is the reason it's. Um, I'm really glad that you're actually voicing this. And um So what can women actually do when they've done these mistakes and say, for example, they've chased and how can they develop like more self-love or build up their self-esteem really once they've actually done these mistakes and some who've done this all their life really? I think, first of all, when you you think in terms of how does a woman uh, recover, I would call it, from, from the chase, there are a few things that I've jotted here. Number one, every, if a woman is listening to us now and she's saying, okay, this is the behavior that, you know, I'm exhibiting now. I'm, I'm in pursuit of this man. I'm making all of the phone calls. I'm making all of the sacrifices. Uh, I'm compromising my value, values. This is what we mean by chasing. I'm, I'm doing all of the asking If you're in that place and you're saying, okay, I'm not getting the outcomes I want, I need to turn this around. Few things I would suggest. Number one, stop and think about, really stop and think about the futility of your actions. What has this actually done for you? Other than break your heart, lower your self-esteem, keep you preoccupied with a pool of men that should have never even gotten a conversation with you. Number two, it's your job and your responsibility as a woman, once you stop and you really think about the futility of all of this, it's your job to replenish your self, your self-esteem, because the chase has depleted you. 
So it's your job. It's called self-esteem because ideally it's something that we are supposed to do for ourselves. Yeah. So while we're waiting on a man or a relationship to make us feel good about ourselves. Yeah. There are a million books in the bookstore. There are people online that you can listen to. There are courses and classes that you can take that can teach you how, and we'll talk a little bit about self-love in a second, but can teach you how to build yourself up. It's your job. Your self-esteem is not going to be filled by another person. Yeah. The third thing I would mention is that you, you, you have to make the deposit of knowledge gained from the experience. Yeah. Because a lot of times we go through these things and all we extract from the experience is the pain and the shame. Yeah. But if if you shifted the focus, you've gone through it. There's more than pain and shame. There's knowledge and wisdom that you need to take from it. So have your little moment to cry, but open your eyes and ask yourself, what have I learned from these experiences and take that to heart. The fourth thing is, I would say, readjust your crown. And your crown, speaking of your consciousness, we talk about a crown, we're not talking about a physical crown, we're talking about a level of personal consciousness as a woman that, that establishes you at a certain place of dignity. reestablish your crown. Now, in terms of the the second part of your question, had something to do with self-love. Am I right? Yeah. How does she build that back, that self-esteem, self-love back? How do, uh, am I, am I rambling too much? Am I talking too much? No, 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 no. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Because you know, I'm a preacher. I can talk (laughs) all day. Yeah. Um, I call this, um, the self-love regiment. Oh, okay. That, that's this particular thing I'm going to outline for you now. And it starts with this. Any person that is going to really do a great job at building his or her self-love, and when we say self-love, we're not talking from a narcissistic perspective, but just yeah. being a healthy individual that you no longer need the affirmations of others from the outside. You're, you're built up from within, from yeah. your inter- internals. Letter A, there must be deep thought about your own personal worth. Yeah. You know, I did this teaching Sunday at our church relative yeah. to, um, I forget exactly how I titled it, but it was, it was dealing with the futility of, of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Per, per, you know, the perfection is failure yeah. for us as human beings because yeah. we don't really reach a point of perfection. Yeah. So in the self-love journey, we have to intentionally look over all of our idiosyncrasies, all yeah. of our insecurities, all of our failures. We have to lose, you know, the great investment we make on vanity mm. And we have to intentionally focus, do deep thinking about our worth. Yeah. Um, You have to do that because most of the world is going to tell you, you're too young, you're too old, you're too black, you're too white, you're too fat, you're too skinny, Mm -hmm. your accent is this and, you you know, your your education is not enough. And so every individual that's on the journey of self-love 
you're going to have to look in the mirror yeah. of your own consciousness yeah. and locate the things that are great about you. A friend of mine wrote a book entitled What's So Great About You? Yeah. Most of us have not asked that question and because we've not asked it, we've not answered it. And yeah. so if I ask you what's great about you, most people will stutter yeah. because they've not really done the thinking. Yeah. So deep thought about your personal worth. Letter B, daily declarations. Yeah. I the world that. is constantly sending messages to us. Yeah. Well, we have to develop our own self-love mantras. Yeah. You know, um, and whatever that means, whatever yeah. that is for you, this this is this is personal. Yeah. Uh, letter C, define your future as an individual. Yeah. You're going to learn to love you. You're going to have to see yourself as an as an individual and not a person uh, like most of the world of women believes that. My value is as great as my attachment or my proximity to a man is. Yeah. If you're going to really love yourself, you're going to have to define your future as an individual. Forget yeah. about him, them. And, and who are you as an individual? If we put yeah. you on an island. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. And once you can see that. Yeah. You know, you you really begin to unpack. Um, your your true greatness. Letter D, determining the requirements for a person to participate in your life. Yeah. You know, most of us have never created requirements for another person to participate in our lives. Yeah. And so we just allow all of these, uh, what I call hobosexuals. <laughs> the, these, are, these are men that... Uh, that want to have relations with you, but, yeah. you know, they have no future. They have no vision. They have yeah. no aim. And here you are, you got these clowns and crowns. Yeah. And, and you're inviting, <laughs> yeah, you're inviting yeah. all of these people into your life. Yeah. Well, some of us, sorry. So some of us do have a love list to, to, you know, where we've written our values and, you know, the core, the core things that we require. So, I completely agree with you, you know, uh, not just blindly kind of letting anybody in, but being clear. So I think point number three, so letter C, which was clarity on what you want, what your purpose is. I completely agree with that. And then letter D kind of ties in with being a bit more clear about your love list and what you really need or require in a man Correct. as well would enable and weed out all those people, you know, who are not really worthy of that attention or that time really in your life. So, um, because you can always go back to your list and check that, okay, do you know, the, he's a smoker, he's a person who drinks, he's a person who this, does this while I have not got that on my list. So always worth having a list uh, written down of, you know, values and goals of what you try to, not just like really what you want to achieve for yourself, but what you want to achieve together as a couple Correct. as well. Correct. I think. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I think there has to be um, a mutual um, vision for the relationship. Yeah. I think the woman comes into the relationship with her individual vision. Yeah. The man comes in with his individual vision and it's on the basis of who the man is as an individual, who the woman is as an individual, yeah. that they find mutuality. Yeah. You know, we, we know that we are on the same frequency based on our individual visions. We can now we can look into can we create 
um, a, a merger of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can can your greatness merge with mine for us to create a, a we? Can can my you and 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 your me come together to create yeah. to create we? Yeah. And then finally, let me give you these two, and I'm done. Relative yeah. to the self love regimen, um, letter E: develop intentional solitude. Because where we get caught up and pulled off track in, ter- in terms of our self-love journey yeah. is that the world is so noisy and things mm. are so sped up and toxic people come into our world yeah. and, and, you know, confuse us with activities. Mm. All of us have to learn to just pull back and generate intentional solitude where we can hear God whatever that means for you, yeah. where you can really get in tune with your own spirit and then let her F delight in your independence. Yeah. You know, learn to be happy by yourself. If, if yeah. you cannot, if you, if you're not healthy enough to be happy by yourself, you'll never be happy with someone else. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. marriage is not a, a, a big happy pill, you know, marriage yeah. challenges you. Yeah. Relationships challenge you. Yeah. Lisa did not, did not, does not, will not make me happy. I cannot, will not yeah. try to make her happy. These yeah. are things we have to do as individuals. And then we yeah. both bring our happiness into the union. And so that's what I call, that's my little self-love regimen. You know, I always I have my little that. points. I love, I think the last two points are the most difficult for people to do, to really sit with themselves, especially in solitude. Who wants to think about all these things? Who wants to be by the, themselves? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the hardest things that people find to do. But once you learn how to do that, be by yourself right. and really take some time to heal yourself, that's where the magic is. That's where you really kind of uh, see new possibilities. That's how I feel for you in your life as well. So I, I agree. And I, I love that uh, whole, uh, the points that you've given as well for self-love. Um, I just want to go back to chasing for a second. So, you know, when you uh, mentioned about chasing and do you believe that chasing starts in childhood? And I'm curious to know what your thoughts are, whether it, it does start in childhood. Well, I, uh- I do believe it does. Yeah. Uh, for women, I really do. And, and I'll say why. Um, it's because I think the way the world um, conditions young girls yeah. sets them up for relational failure. Yeah. And to some extent, you know, I, I almost bought into that being the father of three biological daughters, um, where I just kind of took the model of the world. The world says, basically, just to keep this short, the world says to young men, find your passion, discover your gifting, strengthen those things, and build your life in those directions, and you'll be a great man. Yeah. The world indirectly, sometimes directly, says to a young woman, Grow up, be a nice little girl, find a great man, make a great family, and mm. you'll be a great woman. Yeah. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that message on the surface. But if if you look at the deeper psychological layers, what you're indirectly saying to young women is that forget about individuality mm. and, you know, jump over all of your individuality and jump to the fact that 
you do not have value until you have a man. Yeah. And I think that's where childhood um, initiates the yeah. problem, you know, because they're, our young girls are raised to believe that the greatest thing I can do is to get a man. Mm. And there's absolutely nothing wrong. I think yeah. it's the most honorable role in the world when a woman says, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay home and take care of my children and my husband. Yeah. That's what makes the world go round, actually. My wife did it. She left a career in nursing to stay home, take care of the children and myself. Yeah. It's the most honorable thing. Yeah. But a woman cannot jump over. We cannot teach our daughters to leap over individuality and mm -hmm. go directly to relationship without creating a desperation. Yeah. And then, then the young women get to the point where they are grown and they've been raised with this idea, well, I got to get a man, I got to have children and I got to have a family. Mm. And then the world says, well, there's a scarcity of men. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you know, a percentage of them have chosen to be uh, or, or are gay. Yeah. Uh, another percentage of them are incarcerated. Yeah. Another greater percentage of them are not the marrying kind. Yeah. And so now we have all of these women that we've raised to believe that the greatest thing you can do in life is to have a relationship. And in many cases, these women have genius locked up on the inside of them yeah. that they have smothered because the world trained them. Yeah. Going back to the message we did last night, how mama might have messed you yeah. up. Yeah. Sometimes even mama teaches the girls that, yeah. you know. Doesn't matter that you have a PhD, doesn't matter that you yeah. you're this and you're world renowned. Mm. Where's your man? Mm. Where are your kids? Yeah. You know? And so yeah, I think it does start in childhood. And that's yeah. that's why. I think um, uh, you're so right because there's so many things that we learn from our parents and, you know, um, sisters, cousins, even our teachers, actually, who teach us and integrate all these beliefs into us. So, and this is the reason uh, I ag agree with you to, you know, whenever we kind of have um, any problems, like, you know, we should always work on them, especially when a relationship breaks down or we have some kind of rejection. It's that then that those unhealed beliefs come up, that the trauma comes up. And then you're like, we're not asking this question at that time. Why is this happening to me? Why am I actually allowing this person to abuse me? And what can I do? Why does this keep happening to me again that I keep attracting the same kind of man, you know? So it is important to learn to heal, even if that means having therapy to, uh, you know, um, treat yourself really to heal from that trauma that happened because like they say hurt people actually hurt people so Correct. so it's important to do that to to get over that limiting beliefs and you know to to move on to a new relationship um so there was another line which you mentioned in the video which was something like um women uh, join toxic sisterhood and damage generational generations to come or you know uh, it, that gives me chills because you're talking about generational trauma or generational curse so how does their audience unjoin toxic sisterhood so you know what are the steps that they can take so that it does, this doesn't mm. happen to future generations really well, um, I would say, um, number one, recognizing it. Yeah. You know, I think, I think tox toxic sisterhood 
kind of um, flies under the radar like toxic masculinity. Yeah. You know, like toxic masculinity is viewed by most of the unconscious world yeah. as cool. You know, he, he's he's the happening guy when he's really a very sick and toxic guy. And so likewise with toxic sisterhood, it looks great on social media. Yeah. Um, these women that, you know... Um, buy into all of these things that are as debilitating to the health of womanhood as toxic masculinity is. Yeah. I would say the first thing is recognizing toxic sisterhood. Yeah. I think the second thing, I don't remember, you know, everything I said in the video, but I think mm -hmm. the second thing is taking an introspective look into one's own soul. Yeah. And asking yourself now, where have I participated in mm. the toxic sisterhood? And what is mm. that? It's it's the connection between women yeah. where groups of women encourage one another to live below the standard. Oh, God. It's, it, it's where women say to one another, settle, directly yeah. or in indirect yeah. terms. It's yeah. where women behave unseemingly and... And they applaud it. It's it's where it's 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 just the toxic sisterhood that degenerates the dignity of womanhood. Yeah. So recognizing it, then looking in introspectively at your own heart and asking yourself, now where have I participated in this? Yeah. And how has this impacted me? Hmm. Coming true to that, facing yeah. that, facing that truth for yourself as as a woman yeah. now it's kind of like it's kind of like covid you know yeah. what i mean you, you got to yeah. kind of you got to isolate yeah. to heal yeah. you can't you can't stay in the environment without being infected and without infecting others once you mm -hmm. realize you have this you've been impacted by this you have to pull yourself away from the sisterhood maybe yeah. shut down the social media for a while yeah let's not go out on the weekends for a minute and yeah pull to yourself in one of those moments of solitude and and figure out where has this thing impacted you and how have you impacted others mm -hmm. the third thing is to to re um, to redefine your your course as a woman, your life. Yeah. How are you going to live your life now? Yeah, well, it's fine that. when you're when you're unconscious to say, "Well, you know, I, I blundered," and I. Need, but now you're conscious. You're aware of this. So, yeah. how are you going to change your life's trajectory? Yeah. And then once you do that, once you begin to live your life, you you think it. You know, you develop this consciousness, broken consciousness versus what I call queen consciousness, where you're aware of who you are. Yeah. You've fully adjusted your crown, your consciousness, and now you're living in that direction. Now you have to be prepared as yeah. a woman to 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 be vilified, to not be accepted. You're going to have to be comfortable yeah. with probably walking alone. But then you'll discover as you go and as you live your life on the higher plane as a woman. Yeah. That there will be one or two here and there that mm -hmm. desire the the level of dignity that you're going to represent. Yeah. Take your time and nurture, yeah. teach and support them. And then just watch your life blossom. Because yeah. whenever we get planted, whenever we plant our lives 
in the right place, in the right soil, will always produce the right fruit. Yeah. And so you'll see your life blossom, you know, men that um, you never dreamed would be interested in you. Yeah. You'll discover that these guys are going to be drawn to you because it's not the external uh, stuff. It's the internal beauty yeah. that quality men, quality Worthy men, men. <laughs> are yeah. attracted to. Yeah. And so I think, you know, those would be some of my thoughts on how do you unjoin, as you put it, the toxic sisterhood. And also like the benefit is to that you'll be, uh, you know, not the person who actually gets rid of that generate or breaks that generational curse as well, because otherwise it's the same thing, which is going to keep on happening to our daughters and, you know, nieces and nieces. Friends, yeah. Yeah, so it will it will carry on if we don't do that. And um, this just last one where you actually mentioned that uh, when a woman chases, she will never repair the fracture to her feminine soul. Now, as a feminine person, I feel I even need the answer to that question. And, you know, um, and the doctor in me as well loves this question, like, how do we repair that fracture? Um, I know some of the things you mentioned in your self-love regimen and then, obviously not chase and embody those principles, but is there anything else that you can add to it by means of which she can repair that fracture on a deeper level, really? Well, um, that fracture, when I, when I made that statement, I don't know how old this message is. <laughs> and I was, I was looking for, I was looking for the actual notes on it and yeah. I could not find the actual notes on the message. Okay. Um, but that, that fracture to the feminine soul Uh, is in reference to every woman has the need within her to be pursued. Yeah. To be, to be desired. Yeah. um, To be preferred. Every woman has that need. Yeah. And so when a woman chases and what she does is she puts all of those needs, you know, to the background. Yeah. And she does the pursuing and she, she does the preferring. She does all of these things. Yeah. And she's deficient in, in all of these areas. And yeah. the chase is like a hamster wheel. You know, it just speeds up and it goes faster and faster and it preoccupies too much of her life. Yeah. And so it's like prayerfully sooner than later, she'll wake up and realize that this direction is futile because she is breaking her feminine soul yeah. to not be pursued, mm-hmm. to not be preferred, yeah. to not be honored. Yeah. Society says, this is what you need. You need the optics of a relationship and say she gets one. Um, it will never bring fulfillment to her. Because the guy that she catches if she chases does not have what it takes to make her feel safe, to make her feel pursued, to make her feel honored. So when a woman wakes up and she realizes that she's done this to herself and she's had relationship after relationship and none of them have been fulfilling, it's because that it's almost like you're a doctor. It's almost like a, a certain deficiency of you know, vitamins or nutrients or whatever, the body can't function. It can't feel its 
best. Hmm. So now she realizes I, I, I can't be fulfilled in these relationships because I've dishonored myself. Yeah. First thing she has to do since she's broken her soul, she has to pull away from the relationship, what I call the relationship game. Yeah. And she has to come back and she has to rediscover herself. Wow. Because chasing, whenever you're chasing someone else, you always lose yourself 100% of the time. Yeah. So the first step is pulling away from the chase, pulling back, rediscovering herself. Yeah. Now, the work that has to happen inside of the woman is spiritual. Yeah. The repairs that have to be done are spiritual. You know, it's kind of like, um, it's weird I'm talking to a doctor, but it's kind of <laughs> like, like a broken bone. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you can't operate on a broken bone. Yeah. All you can do, and tell me if I'm wrong, pretty much, maybe you can put pins in it if necessary, yeah. but yeah. basically all you can do is reset it. Yeah. And in, then reset let, and put it in a cast, yeah, and let it put heal. Put it in a cast, yeah. Isolate it, let it heal, but let nature take its course. Yeah. The, he, the process is spiritual. Yeah. So once the woman realizes that she's lost herself, she pulls back to recapture, regain uh, a consciousness of herself, and then she allows God to bring about the healing. Yeah. Memories. Yeah. Self-limiting thoughts. Mm. These things, you know, through time and through isolation will have to be eliminated. And then the woman has to get to a point where she allows the process to take its, run its course, where she's isolated and she's in, you know, she's in the presence of the creator and God is restoring all of the things that have been extracted from her life. Areas where it's almost like if there's a biblical text is this this woman is caught in adultery. Yeah. The men bring her and they judge her publicly, but they didn't bring the man mm. and they bring her to Jesus. And, mm. and Jesus says, any of you all that are without sin cast the first stone. They yeah. all walked away. They wanted yeah. to stone her, but they all walked away. Yeah. And the Bible says it was just, she and Jesus left there. And then Jesus looks at the woman and he says, I don't condemn you. Yeah. Every woman has to get to that point when you've done this. You have to get to that point where you realize you're not condemned in the eyes of the creator. Yeah. And you you have to get to that place where you no longer condemn yourself. Yeah. And so now you're at a point where God restores you back to your default. Yeah. Because that's where we got, we got to get back to the default of what the creator designed us for. Get rid of all of the viruses yeah. And just shut this thing down and bring it back to the default. And then she can begin the journey again. But she begins that journey from a different place this time. She begins yeah. that journey from a place of consciousness. She's yeah. aware of who she is. Yeah. She knows what she deserves. Yeah. She has her boundaries and her limits. Yeah. And so she reengages life again. She reengages yeah. relationships again. Yeah. Not not with the idea that I need a man to define me. Yeah. Or I need a man to fulfill me. She already has that definition now. She already has that fulfillment. Yeah. She needs a man now to accompany her if yeah. if he's suitable. Yeah. And if not, she's good with it. 
Yeah. And if a woman is not good with without a relationship, she's not fit for a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just love your perspective uh, and your energy around it as well. Um, yeah, I think um, when like, um, whenever something is uh, kind of not changing or when something is like kind of giving us the same set of results, that is something that needs to change. That is something that we need to do differently to Correct. attract a different person, to be in a different uh, relationship or really change about our results in the future. So I, li- I just love and completely agree with what you've just said. And But that doesn't mean for some of our listeners, you know, listening today that uh, if you, you might need therapy, you might be in such Correct. a broken place that you actually need to speak to your counselor or a mental health person um so please do seek that help if say for example you you know you're not able to overcome all those things by yourself and it's hit you really hard so i just loved having this conversation with you rc and can you just tell the audience where they can find you in social media please well you can find me uh on instagram yeah um at rc blakes jr I think it's R.C. Blake. Jr. Yeah, I'll include the handle as well. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And of course, YouTube, R.C. Blake's Jr. Yeah. Facebook, R.C. Blake's Jr. And of course, my website, rcblakes.com. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's pretty much where I hang out these days. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I love the conversation today. Thank you so much for coming on, R.C. Blake's. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it so much. That was so amazing. I loved talking to R.C. Blakes. His energy is so delightful and he's such a humble person as well. You should definitely follow him on social media. I'll include the handles and the links in the show notes. Okay, so here are the key takeaways. Number one, stop and think about the futility of your actions when you chase. Number two, readjust and re-establish your crown by developing that level of consciousness or self-awareness. Number three, build up your self-love by using RC's self-love regimen. Number four, daily declaration by developing your own self-love mantras. Number five, define your future as an individual. Number six, determining the requirements for the person to participate in your life. And number seven, generate intentional solitude to get in tune with your own spirit. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and thank you for inviting me into your life as you drive to work or run errands or even at your workout. If you like the episode, one of the best ways to show support is to subscribe to my podcast so that you don't miss any future episodes. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast or share the episode on Instagram or on any social media platform where you like to hang out. I'm so grateful for your support. Can't wait to hear from you. So much love to you. Thank you.